Welcome to the Sterile Aware Podcast. Listen in as our host, Charlie Webb, speaks with the nation's leading experts on topics surrounding healthcare-associated infections and the sterile delivery of medical devices to the patient. The Sterile Aware Podcast will keep you up to date on the latest news on emerging technologies and techniques to better manage healthcare-associated infections. On episodes ahead, we will also keep you up to date with all the exciting activities surrounding the Sterile Aware mission for greater patient safety. Now, here is your host, Charlie Webb. You're listening to the Sterile Aware Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Charlie Webb. Welcome back to another episode. Hey, what if we got rid of all that crazy blue wrap in the SPD? I knew that would get your attention. Well, listen, we've got some solutions there. I'm going to have a conversation with Cube, and I have their CEO on the line here with me. So let's get this conversation going. Hey, Michelle, thanks for hanging out with me today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, like I always do here, let's get started and talk a little bit about yourself. It always sounds like the dating game when I say this, but (laughs) tell me a little bit about yourself and all the cool things or that cool product that you all have going with Stericube. Sure. Thanks. So my name is Michelle Mauserell. I'm one of the founding members of Stericube, which is a multiple tray sterilization device in which you put all the instrumentation for one patient surgery and you autoclave it all at one time in a steam sterilizer, which most hospitals or ASCs have. And then it's delivered in that one container to the OR. And super efficiently, you open the door of the cabinet and retrieve all of the contents with no individual wraps, no lids. It just makes the whole process incredibly efficient and so much easier for the OR and for the sterile processing technicians. Yeah, you know, I watched the video this morning and I'm going to put a link today. So listeners, take a peek at the video link that sort of shows the product in action. Cool stuff. One of the first things that comes to mind, I mean, if you can't go into LinkedIn and hear nothing but discussions about sustainability, how do you get away from that blue wrap? That was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, blue wrap, unfortunately, is one of the larger components filling the landfills everywhere because it's not just a paper, it's a polypropylene blend and it just doesn't go away. So the beauty of the cube is you're eliminating so many steps. The first step is you don't have to wrap any trays because the container itself has filters, four filter ports, and then a bottom ceramic drain filter, a reusable filter that allows for very fast evacuation of the water accumulation during the steam cycle. And the filters allow for preferred steam penetration and actually steam stabilization within the cabinet. So we're able to get down to steam sterilized 0.7 millimeter lumens by 500 or one by 850 millimeters. So that includes robotics, that includes any of your tiny cannulated screws, micro screws that use a 0.8 millimeter guide wire. We can steam sterilize down to those levels, which no other container or wrap on the market can do. So it's Mm. all about how we effectively get the steam in the cabinet and keep it stable for the amount of time that you're sterilizing for. Does this also manage somewhat the problems with wet loads then? Absolutely. Because of our design and the pitched floor to the ceramic drain, we can actually, it holds 300 pounds of instruments on four shelves and we can sterilize and dry all 300 pounds in five minutes. So we've been FDA cleared for that. We're trying to get the various orthopedic vendors to actually validate their own equipment in the cube so that they can put in their IFUs 
a reduced dry time. So mm-hmm. until the orthopedic vendors do that themselves, we can't to go against their IFU. Mm-hmm. But and they do, we will have some very interesting announcements, hopefully really soon, actually, from some of the bigger orthopedic vendors. Lately, on the past couple of podcasts I've done, I've talked to a lot of trailblazers in new technology. And it's so great for me. As I mentioned recently on another podcast, I had the pleasure and honor of being able to speak at the medical device and manufacturing trade show. And I spoke on technology innovation and how sometimes innovation seems to be squelched at times when you compare (laughs) it and overlay it to, say, consumer electronics, where you can a few seconds later, there's a new tech, but we're very slow to innovate and it's difficult. I mean, we have a lot of other issues that other innovators don't have to deal with. Cost containment is a big one. Another one, of course, is the sort of adoption biases. Those are problems that we see. We sell medical device packaging machines. Over the past few years, through a program, through Sterlaware, new technology sort of initiative, we're trying to get better packaging systems into the SBD department, but we're met with a host of problems. I mean, there's a bias to do what you've always done. And to try to overcome that bias can be challenging for new tech. So how do you overcome a workflow that is so codified? And moreover, <laughs> the human is just, when they get comfortable, they're in a groove. Nobody wants to upset the apple cart. How do you meet that challenge when you're innovating in this space? That's a great question. And it's certainly one of the things we see every, every day. And there's always going to be pushback with any new technology. That's absolutely true. One of the things that I think in particular people in the sterile processing departments are concerned with is because this is so efficient and because they no longer have to wrap their individual trays, one of the first thoughts is, well, am I still going to have a job or am I still going to get my overtime Mm -hmm. or whatever? And I can tell you that this is such an effective efficiency driver that what ends up happening everywhere it's implemented is they're able to do more cases in the hospital because of this technology. So we always tell them, don't worry. If anything, you're going to end up producing more out of this department rather than just trying to meet the needs. So Mm. uh, we we have never eliminated any jobs (laughs) using this technology. What it does do, though, is it allows them to have more time to focus on the other jobs that are really important Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're checking their instrumentation properly. And like I said, we are always adding more cases because the other area where we save the most amount of time is in the OR. If you have a scrub tech, they can literally at this point check their own filters then go scrub, come back, wait for somebody to open the door. And in less than a minute, their back table is set up with 10 to 12 trays of instruments for that surgery Mm. with no issues of tears or holes or mislabeled trays or any of those things or wet loads that typically are found in orthopedic procedures in particular, spine, total joints. We also are used with open heart procedures. Anytime you have six or more trays of instruments for one procedure is when this is super effective. So the OR, because they're saving about a minute per tray of room opening time, that's Mm -hmm. 10 minutes each case. They are literally putting on additional cases, which means there's more that has to go through the sterile processing department. Another thing is we definitely increase the workflow because when you're processing multiple trays of orthopedic, maybe you do them in rigid containers and wraps, but very often they're running longer cycles than the IFU dictates of those instruments. And they're also doing door crack times. Sometimes they have to do a preheat because it's a super heavy load and they want to make sure it comes out dry. 
with us, as long as you follow the IFU of the manufacturer, which is normally a 420 or a 430 cycle, you do not crack the door. You pull it right out. So there's been a lot of facilities we go into and we're literally able to double their throughput just in getting in and out of the sterilizers themselves. Mm, yeah, I'm a Six Sigma guy and we're constantly looking for ways to manage flow, the human flow, because it's a sticky point to our operation. I run an ISO 17025 empirical medical pouch testing laboratory, as well as a calibration lab. And so we tried to minimize the amount of people that we have for that function because we have to manage costs. And in healthcare, I talk about this often, but sounds like, boy, Vanderstall Scientific's cheap over there. They're not hiring enough people. Well, you know, unfortunately, at the end of the year, I'm the one with Lisa that has to sharpen pencils and see how we make this all worked out when we're working against a cost containment model where we have utilization review dynamics, where they're encouraged not to spend money. So we can't just hire, hire, hire. Not only doesn't work in our cost matrix, but beyond that, it's difficult to find people. So when we're able to remove the tyranny of something like the blue wraps, which I still just feel so crazy to me. I always wonder, I always wanted to ask the people that do that, how they feel about wrapping Christmas gifts each year. Like, no, I can't do another one. I'm done with this. But it's, you know, that is a big time suck there. And it just seems so antiquated. I'm surprised that it still exists. And again, in the shadow of sustainability, that's a model that just doesn't really seem robust enough to stand the test of time. So it's refreshing to hear that that's being pulled out. And as you say, all those little bits and pieces of having to crack the door to allow cool downs and warm ups, those all add to the aggregate time of where we're going to lose that throughput. And that's a big issue. We're trying to get procedures through a hospital. And we're famously overworked in the SPD. So anything that we can do to sort of pull that stress off the SPD department, that's the base plate of winning in that call point. It's not just the SPD. It's also the OR staff because Amy went and raised the weight limitations on orthopedic trays or any trays to 25 pounds from the original 17 pounds. So now those same nurses who are now, you know, how many years mm, older yeah. are having to hold a 25 pound tray away from their body. Uh, you know, if I'm scrubbed away from my body while the nurse checks the wrap to see if I'm able to put it on my back table or vice versa. If it's an SPD, these people are expected to be loading one tray after another, after another of these heavy, heavy trays on various shelves that are not necessarily ergonomically designed. There's some autoclaves now that are like 13 inches off the ground. So now I'm bending over for that shelf, putting these trays on. It's so cumbersome. And I don't know a single person who's been working in either SPD or the OR for more than 15 years that doesn't have some sort of injury. Mm. Back issues, Mm. shoulder issues, carpal tunnel, I mean, we treat our staff, unfortunately, very unfairly. So mm-hmm. a product like ours, I feel really happy with because it's ergonomically designed to position the instruments right in the field, which means much less bending, much less moving. There's been time and motion studies showing that the average wrapped orthopedic tray is handled 14 times from the time it comes out of the autoclave to the time it's finally used in the OR. Mm. So that's 14 opportunities for something to happen to that wrap. But more importantly, that's a lot of weight that's being lifted and jostled and whatnot that you just take all those steps away with the Stereocube. That's fantastic. That's an interesting statistic. I've never heard that. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we move so slowly in the hospitals, I say I had a discussion about innovation or lack thereof at the MDNM. There's so many OFIs, opportunities for improvement 
through these yep. facilities. So how does this, you know, obviously you have a competition. How does yours differ? There are two products in this space. What I can tell you about ours is we're the only one that can get down to the lumen sizes that I mentioned before, the 0.7 millimeter by 500 and one by 850. We were also validated and FDA cleared for offsite sterilization, storage, and transport, which is a big deal. We're working with Steris now at an offsite facility in Chattanooga where they're delivering to facility to ASCs that either don't have a sterile processing department because they chose not to put it in, or it's just not ample enough to supply them with the trays that they need. We're validated and FDA cleared for a five-minute minimum dry time. So as long as you're following the IFU of the instruments that you're sterilizing, you will never have a wet load with the SteriCube. The design is very, very different from our competitors. We have a hinged door that's really easy to open and close. It goes 270 degrees flat to the side. So very, very easy to manipulate that. We have adjustable shelves, which allow for a scrub tech to pick and choose which tray they want to put on their back table first and second and so on. So just the visibility and the the possibility of picking their case you know, from sterile goods and setting their back table once and moving it only once is also really, really beneficial for them. They can check our filters before even opening the door just to make sure there's been no compromise. We have reusable gaskets that leave an impression on the filters. So we teach them in the OR when they're checking their filters to just make sure they see those impressions and that there's a continuous line that's left from the ribbed gaskets. And they know that a very good seal has been made every single time. Mm. We also have an inner door frame. So if I'm scrubbed and I reach in and I accidentally touch the side of the of the door frame, I'm still sterile because the reusable gasket sits outside of that inner frame. We have Tente wheels that allow for really easy maneuvering of the SteriCube through hallways in 180 degrees or 360 in a tight space or in the OR. And then all the way down on the foot pedal is locked and it's super locked. (laughs) So there's a lot of things design-wise that just makes it a really robust, solid piece of equipment. Does this work over multiple autoclaves? I see that it perfectly lines up with one system. So do you have different fixtures depending on what the facility is using? Yes, exactly. Any medium to large chambered autoclave that's FDA cleared, we can fit in. So, yeah. Backing up, I hate to keep on chatting about this, but backing up to the blue wrapper, is your solution the only one that puts you in a position to sort of emit the blue wrap? Not the only one. There is the one competitor as well who you put the trays in the multiple tray sterilization cabinet without blue wrap in okay. that container as well. So, and then there's rigid containers, of course, too, which eliminate blue wrap, but you still have individual filters. And so you're not going to save, even if you put all your trays in rigid containers and bring them to the OR for a 10 to 12 tray case, you'll never save the time that you will with the Stereocube. You still have to open each individual one, check each one, check the filters, all of that. Mm. So, Human factor consultants are really busy these days looking at ways that how the human connection to any process can have failure points and where those failure points may happen and what we can do to thwart those problems. What sort of training, and for instance, in our organization, we have videos where we show operators how to operate, what to look for, how to do preventative maintenance. So aftermarket, is there training? I mean, IFUs are famously getting beat up. Sometimes these things come on a a little post-it note and it has basically the uh, Ben-Hur written on the entire thing and, you know, one micron 
lettering and stuff, even though they just don't conform. So what can we do? I do see that there's steps, obviously, although your process looks quite simple. But in order to make sure that none of those steps fail, for instance, I see you need to add two filters on the ports. And you know, how do we really, as a manager, how do we know that we have our people well-trained and they're going to follow protocol so we don't have issues? Right. So SteriQ provides training for the first few weeks of the implementation process. And then we also provide continuous training and videos. So if somebody gets a new staff member, for instance, or these days there's so many travelers that it's bound to happen every three months, we do provide videos to train as well as a full documented in-service program that then people can check off and basically test against it. Mm. We even provide a course that they can take for a CE credit. Oh, that's awesome. uh, Yeah. Lots of training for this. Even though it seems very simple, we definitely want people to have a full understanding Mm -hmm. of what they're doing. Yes, amazing. You know, some of the things that seem so simple to us as innovators, uh, by the time it gets to its point of use, it sort of washes out and And it's difficult really to understand the optic of the user at times. We're really challenged in the SPD, uh, particularly that's where currently trying to expand our product line. And, you know, I guess one of the issues that keeps on coming up, and we talked about this a moment ago, but is the human piece to it. There was a story that I mentioned. Actually, the first time I heard it was from Beyond Clean. Great Mm -hmm. podcast. If you haven't tuned into that, I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Talking about something like a Chick-fil-A opened up across the street from a hospital and almost overnight they lost their entire staff in the SPD department because they paid more. (laughs) So, I mean, they were literally canceling surgeries. So, you know, obviously there's, when we're looking at the SPD right now, we really are moving. We have the human, the machine, the process, and we're looking at all ways to sort of sweeten that environment in order for it to work correctly. The less failures, obviously, we're very keen on managing patient infections, particularly surgery site infections. So we're looking at ways that we can improve it all. But one of the important things, again, you know, is that we have to make sure that our technology integrates well and that we have a takeaway. I mean, everything that we do now at that call point and in even clean room assembly and packaging, we first, Mm -hmm. uh, we lead the story with how it really benefits the human. And then we sort of go down the food chain a little bit as we talk about process and costing. So are you seeing in this operation where, and you alluded to it a moment ago, and you're absolutely right about the the weights being so heavy. There was a time in the 80s and 90s when I was uh, out selling microsurgical knives as a young college graduate and later became an innovator in that space. But during that time, most of the people that worked with me and from other companies were retired nurses. Keep in mind, they retired in their 30s and 40s because they had <laughs> chronic back problems. So ergonomics yep. had been really bad. Moving patients from bed to bed would yep. have been really... De- We've come a ways since then, but we still are seeing such high dissatisfaction feedback, exit interviews that really tell us that we're really not focusing, making people first. So it looks like very much embedded into your product is that people story. It is. I mean, one of the things that we also see as we go across the country implementing the cube into various hospitals is there's so many travelers in positions. And frankly, there's a lot of animosity between the people who are getting paid $20 or less per hour. And yet the company is getting paid $60 an hour for mm-hmm. the person right next to them. So, yeah, which, you know, if you're, uh, if you're trying to stay home and feed your family, um, right. you don't have the ability to be in X city tomorrow morning. And so That's- there is a lot of unfair in nursing and in, in the SBD. And so, you know, if we can sort of 
contain these positions to where people are certified and trained and they're paid better, then that's when we start talking about people retention and that's on us. Yep, absolutely. If we can, well, if SteriCube can help them in their jobs and keep them from having injuries from repetitive lifting of super heavy trays, I'm all for it. So yeah. it's a win-win for so sure. Who came up with this cool device? Is this something that you innovated? No, it actually was invented by somebody else, Barry Snyder. And his brother, Sam Snyder, came up with the very first multiple tray product many, many years ago. And they got the first patent on it, as well as the first FDA clearance. Mm. I involved at that time, myself and my business partner, Mary Ellen Keenan, we both met him and assisted in the FDA clearance. And I started to look at his product really closely. And I found a few flaws with the design and uh, long story short, we ended up buying the company from them and took it off the market and perfected the design and then relaunched with the Stereocube uh, several months later. So we changed the design to have this pitched bottom because we were having some issues with water retention. So mm. now those issues are long gone. <laughs> That's it's, for sure. It's interesting how yeah. that works. I think the Wright brothers really didn't invent flight. There were several other people that had a stab before that. Edison, the same story. But those that come in and uh, put the finishing bow on it are the ones that really we have to look at. I mean, obviously, there's an iteration of innovation, but it's the ones that really see, well, you're almost there, but let me drive it home for you. I have a lot of credit right. for that. I think I sometimes fall into that innovation arc myself. So tell me what, is there additional products that are going to be made in this line or is there accessories and other products that co-sell with this or is this uh, the main we, product and that's it? <laughs> no, we always want to innovate. In fact, one of the more recent FDA clearances we got was on the ceramic drain filter and on filter separators, which allow the OR to check the outer filter by holding it up and they leave the bottom filter in place with the filter separator. They close it up again. So they're maintaining the microbial barrier before they even open the door. That was an innovation that we did on the existing product. But we have smaller units coming out. We have a nine tray now, which is, holds 225 pounds. That fits in 26 by 26 inch autoclaves, which is one of the more frequent changes that people are making now is they're going to smaller autoclaves with larger numbers of them to have more, more throughput. We have that one. We have another smaller version coming out. We're working on a hydraulic lift system specifically for the belly med floor loaders. They are very, very low to the ground. So I suspect anybody using those will be really happy that the hydraulic will bring the cube down to that level. And so they can still load and unload from a height that is right in the sterile field, which mm. makes more sense. So there's always something that we can work on. Mm. So always, always something we can do. We have 26 patents right now. Wow. And we have patents on all kinds of stuff that we probably will never actually build. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, well, that's um, part of innovation, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So if a company, a hospital wants to engage with you, do you have a sales force out there knocking on the door? How are you connecting yes. with the potential customers? Yeah, we do have a sales force and that's growing pretty dramatically. Most of the time, people either call our number or they go to our website, www.thestereocube.com, and then they reach out that way. So, But we get calls almost every day, I would say, but not everybody is a candidate. We definitely want to look at those facilities where they're doing large numbers of orthopedic procedures or those procedures that require a lot of instrumentation. What about size? Is there 
Are you bumping into uh, some cases? I see a lot of large orthopedic instruments. Is that one of the challenges on containment size? No, I mean, that's the ideal for us. In fact, like spine cases, we were just doing a, a trial in Arizona at a hospital that focuses entirely on orthopedics. And their spine cases were, they had some 20 to 40 trays per case. I mean, these Mm. guys are are doing really complex procedures. And those are great for us. I mean, think of all those trays that have to be wrapped. Instead of wrapping them, they just, they put them in more than one cube, obviously, but it works really well for those big cumbersome cases, for sure. Yeah. Well, Michelle, any sort of closing thoughts as we sort of wind down here a little bit, a little bit more? more of what we should know about your product and company? Well, I highly recommend anybody reach out for more information, see if it's a good fit for your facility. As long as you've got the volume of procedures, we have implemented placement programs now. So capital isn't even an issue anymore since COVID. I think a lot of hospitals don't have the kind of capital that they Mm -hmm. once did. So the placements are working really well. We just charge on a per filter basis and they can get them in immediately. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the opportunity to introduce this technology to a whole new audience. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. And I'll see you. We're coming up on the HSPA show. Well, this spring, I guess it is. I have so many shows like that. I feel like a rock star sometime (laughs) where I don't even know where I'm, what city I'm going to be in next. We accept without all the fun rock star stuff, Um, (laughs) but we'll be at the HSPA as well. And I guess you are going to be showing there as well this year. Yes, for sure. In fact, one of my favorite things to do are the conferences because It's the only time you get to see somebody's face who has never seen it before. And you watch that look of astonishment come over them Mm. and go, is that really what I think it is? Most people (laughs) walk by and they just think it's an autoclave or something. And that's always a challenge, right? And, you know, we're, I think when you have this sort of leading edge kind of technology, people kind of go through their own worldview bias and they just immediately categorize things and what they think things are. And unless right. you really, I mean, that's it's with our packaging systems. I wish everybody who was looking for one of these, just give me five minutes so I can tell you why it's important, but you don't get the five minutes. You barely get five <laughs> seconds of engagement anymore. So it's really yeah. difficult to tell a story and to tell it quickly. And if yep. um, the customers only knew how much this would benefit their workflow, yep. they'd be, uh, take my money. But uh, we just don't, we have a problem getting to that point. Michelle, thanks for hanging out. I will include your website URL and your email and all the important stuff there. I'm also putting a link in there that'll take our listeners over to that video that I watched this morning. So you can really see it again. If you just, I don't know how long that was, four or five minutes, whatever it was, but it was very edifying. And I didn't get the technology till I saw it. I'm like, wow, that is so slick and easy and wonderful. So I wish you absolute the best for this. I think it's exciting. And Hopefully we get to spread the word on this podcast today. Thank you so much, Charlie. I've really appreciated your time and I look forward to discussing some other things with you in the future as well. Well, Michelle, this has been such an enjoyable conversation. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me today. If you take a peek in the podcast description today, you'll see a few things. You'll see the link to the website for Stereocube, also contact information for Michelle. And also, as promised, I dropped in a video link so you can see exactly how this tech works. It's really cool stuff. Well, thank you everyone for hanging out with me on another episode of the Sterile Aware Podcast. This is Charlie Webb. Look forward to having you back on the next one. The Sterile Aware Podcast is made possible by the generous support from our corporate sponsor, Vanderstahl Scientific. Executive Producer, Lisa Wasberg. Director of Media Services, Hector Garcia. 
Editing and audio by Joel and our friends at East Coast Studio. And this is Jonathan Lockwood saying thank you for listening in. And please join us on the next episode of the Sterile Aware Podcast.